Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species brings animal advocacy to the airwaves. It's a program dedicated to raising awareness of issues concerning animals. This includes advocacy, activism, protection, conservation, and importantly, appreciation. The show is broadcast from the 3CR studios in Melbourne on 855am. And thank you very much to Sally for another great show of Out of the Pan. Tune in next week at 12pm on Sunday for another show from Sally and Out of the Pan. It feels like society's framing of veganism is emerging from a negative space to something more nuanced, something more positive in some, in some aspects. It's not, it's not always seen, or certainly when I first went vegan, it felt like you'd tell someone and they'd be like, oh, you're a weirdo, you're a bit of a freak. <laughs> um, it's not, not seen as a niche choice as much anymore made by idealists, but rather something that's acknowledged as being a valuable um, valuable thing for our health, for the environment, and for other animals, in, uh, certainly. Um, not, obviously, not always, not in every, every space, um, but I feel like those, those sorts of narratives are starting to come through. And veganism includes a very diverse group of people from all walks of life who are motivi- motivated by lots of different reasons. Um, For those of us who would like to see the end of animal exploitation and see a vegan future, a vegan world, um, understanding what motivates people to become vegan and what supports people to stay vegan and how society frames meat consumption are fundamental questions we must answer, we must look into. And luckily today, we're joined by two wonderful researchers who are doing just that. Uh, we're joined by Maddie North, who is a PhD candidate at Deakin University, investigating the role of social norms in veganism and individuals' willingness to reduce meat consumption. And we also are joined by Dr. Madeline Judge, who is, has a background in social psychology with research interests including um, sustainable consumer behaviour, prejudice, utopianism and political ideology. And we'll discuss Maddie's research into the psychological and ideological foundations of veganism and meat consumption in Western society. And Maddie is from the University of Melbourne. So thank you very much, both of you, for joining us today. Thanks Great for having us. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, so to start with, I was just hoping that um, both of you could tell us about your research. And I think we'll, we'll, because we've got two Maddies on the show, Maddie North, I think we'll, we'll start with you and then we'll, we'll um, address Madeline 
judge as Madeline uh, for all those listening so we don't get too confused. So, Maddie, do you want to just tell us a bit about um, your research into veganism and why it's important to look at this? Uh, Yep. So my overall PhD is looking at... um kind of people's attitudes towards vegans as a whole, so their prototype of a vegan, um, and then seeing if that impacts their willingness to reduce their meat consumption and also intention. Um, So we're testing a behaviour change model basically to see if um, attitudes impact on that. And can you tell us what what do you mean by a vegan prototype and does that change depending on who you are, what what a vegan prototype looks like? Yeah, so the three of us in here would all have a different vegan prototype. We might even have different um, ideas of what different types of vegans are. So like there are specific like junk food vegans or whole food plants-based vegans. Um, They're very similar to stereotypes. Um, So it's just what you believe the ideal vegan is or what your view of that is. And so your research is is interested in looking at how so my my prototype of veganism influences my own behavior in terms of going vegan. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's that's really interesting. And what yeah. why is it important that you're doing this work? What what what's this research going to result in? Um well, I think we all can kind of guess that people have um different views of vegans whether they be positive or negative um and so we want to look at uh specifically if omnivores are looking at vegans and if they're different we can manipulate what they think uh, later on down the track um and then see if that changes willingness yeah which i think will be really useful um trying to communicate to people that vegans aren't actually what you think we are. <laughs> and just in terms of um, language for the listeners out there, when we say, like in psychological research um, and research in general, manipulate isn't a nefarious. We're not oh, talking no. about um, controlling people's minds or, or their beliefs or what they what they decide to do. It's a... Um, it's just changing. So yep. changing something, making positive and negative. Yep, yep. And Madeline, can you tell us a little bit about your research? So you actually did your um, PhD in this sort of area, and you've you've just recently published a paper in um, on veganism as well. Do you want to just give us a bit of a feel for what you've been working on in this space? Yeah, sure. Um, okay, so I started my PhD back in uh, 2011, and at the time I was um, a recent convert to veganism, and I thought that there hadn't been a lot done in that area that I could see in social psychology. Um, so I approached my supervisor, Mark Wilson, and started just discussing um, what a PhD in that might look like and it was very broad so we tried to uh, um, you know look at ways you could um, think about veganism and, and study it in terms of maybe applying um, some existing models of attitudes towards outgroups um, so that was what one of the recent papers that I published um, was about and then also another aspect of the PhD was looking at how people react to a vision of a vegan or vegetarian future and that was also um, another publication in Futures Journal um, back in 2015. And so those were the main um, parts of my PhD. Uh, And then very recently, um, my colleague Julian Fernando and I um, got a small grant from Animal Charity Evaluators in the US to do a little bit more research in this area. And um, with this research, we're focusing in a little bit more on um, processes of moralisation and how people understand um, other people's moral perspectives, how they react to those. Um, there's an area of research related to that called, um, uh, it's on anticipated moral reproach, this idea that people are trying to be holier than thou and you ha- therefore you react kind of defensively. 
Um, so we're trying to uh, contribute some new research to that field as well. So very kind of broad ranging um, in focus, but generally about veganism. Yeah. And so why, why do you do this? Why do you do this work into veganism, this research? Uh, so initially, I guess it was just um, a personal interest. I mean, you've got to really have um, a passion for something to do a PhD in it, I think. It's, got to, it's a long process and you've got to really <laughs> stick to it. So, um, yeah, that was, that was the, the um, initial motivation. But I think there's, um, as we all know, there's increasing evidence that it's um, good for animals, good for the environment, good for people's health. It just seems like a, a useful area to conduct research in and... Um, and it hadn't received a lot of attention within social psychology, so I felt like there was room for development in that area. Um, and, and in the years, in the last five years, I'd say there's been like a proliferation of research on this topic. So, yeah. So, yeah. What, what do you? Why do you think there has been this growth in the research on this topic, and and what's it showing us about veganism? Or what is the focus of that research? Is it any? Is it applied? Is it? What's it doing? Where's it going? Maddie, do you, you um, imagine you're doing a bit of a lit review for your PhD, so oh, you might so know a papers, bit of this stuff? Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot of stuff on stereotyping, especially of vegans. Um, a lot of stuff on motivations behind people's veganism, so why they are choosing to be vegan. Um, and that typically, typically comes back with um, animals' health environment are the three main ones there. Um, and other ones that might be... Uh, often shown a, a religion yep. maybe culture um, culture yeah yeah um and what are we seeing what are we seeing in this research um over the last few years around motivations and stereotypes so if you both have looked into the stereotype research um what's what are the stereotypes out there and how is that impacting society's um framing of vegans Do you know? um well uh some of the research that i was looking at um back during my PhD, uh, even just started with some um, anecdotal evidence um, about... There's a book called um, Living Among Meat Eaters by Carol J. Adams, and, and that she talks about um, at least five or six different stereotypes that people have. So there's kind of the the Bambi vegan, the person who's really emotional about animals or, animals, or the, um, the kind of radical vegan, the quite aggressive-sounding person. So... Um, in terms of evidence, I think there's room for more research, which is why I think Maddie's um, focus is really important. Mm. Um, I think that stereotypes applied to this context are quite interesting because it's not... Um, I'd say they're a bit ambivalent, so it is kind of a good thing, but then also it's um, some people think that it goes too far and therefore pe- vegans are hostile, and, and so you have this range of like positivity and negativity. Um, and... So, yeah, I think there's a lot of variation and that's still um, changing as veganism is growing, as there's more vegans, there's um, different approaches, there's different people are adapting um, veganism to their own values and their own background. So I think that there's a wide range of um, perceptions. Um, But, yeah, I think it's very important to um, think about what it means to be a a vegan because that will obviously influence whether people want to take that on. It's It's a... a social signal or it's a way of communicating something about yourself so um yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely and i suppose the um sort of the stereotypes of the framing works in multiple ways when you're sort of outside of it and you're a non non-vegan looking in um your stereotypes of this this out group this other group um it might change depending on your own reflections about that so mm. do we do we know much about how 
stereotypes are influencing people and how they then change possibly to becoming vegan. So for instance, if I, when I, I look back at my own, my own um, transition to veganism, early on I was very negative towards mm. people who ate veg- vegetarians initially. I didn't even know what vegans were, but I was negative towards vegetarians and I was eating lots of animal products um, three times a day sort of thing. And it wasn't until I realised and internalised something myself around animal ethics that I actually started to appreciate a different stereotype of vegetarians and vegans. Mm -hmm. Is there much research into how those stereotypes influence reflection and how people are changing? Um, I think that's kind of what I'm trying to get at a little bit with my studies, um, how they influence, like, willingness to change, I guess, there. Mm. Um, I can't remember any of the literature off the top of my head that if it actually does look at that, and I'm sorry to any researchers who have published that, (laughs) um, if they have. um, Can you think of any that have done that? I can't picture anything that's just presented different, um, like visions of a vegan person and then measured how that actually impacts people's um, meat consumption over time. Mm. I think that would require a longitudinal type of study Mm. and um, I can't recall anything exactly like that but I do know there there is research in this area in general. So there's people that have um, measured attributes of um, vegan targets so in terms of their um, just positivity and negativity but also um, masculinity and mm. um, mm-hmm. all these different characteristics but I don't know if there's that much that's really like looked at the connection um, with meat consumption or um, becoming vegan. Yep. There's also a couple of studies um, I want to say they're coming out of the UK looking at um, giving participants photos of like a baby lamb and then seeing their willingness to then eat meat or like mm. their attitude towards eating that so... Yeah, I think it's a very it's a very varied space that everything's coming out of there. Yeah, and what a what a sorry. Oh, I just Ready? remembered Ready? one study I discovered like in the last week or so. I think it's really recently published, but it was looking at the relationship between um, exposing people to images of animals, um, their meat consumption, I think, and also their perceptions of ve- ve- vegans and vegetarians. And I mm-hmm. think it found that when people were um, making that connection between animals and meat, they reduced their negativity to vegans. I think it was almost like they were understanding their mm. perspective a little bit more, but yeah. I've only really met, read the abstract, so I'd have to look into that. But, yeah, yeah. I think there was a recent study like that. Yeah, yeah that, it's it's an interesting space, and I'm always fascinated to read the new research that's coming out in this space. Um, mm. So do you have some sort of insight into, from, from your own research, what are these? I, I know that um, your most recent paper that was published sort of had some discussions around the um, stereotypes of, of vegans. Mm. What, are we, what are we learning from this, like this recent paper? What have you learned from that recent paper? So uh, that paper was taking a existing um, theoretical model of uh, how people react to outgroups and applying it to veganism and vegetarianism. Uh, and within that model, they, there's a um, suggestion that there's kind of two pathways to negative reactions to outgroups. One is um, a little bit more about whether the art groups are um, deviant or um, threatening social norms. Mm. The other one is a bit more about whether um, the art group is uh, challenging hierarchical structures in yeah. society. And so veganism, I imagine, would um, fit both of those mm-hmm. those things yeah. in, yep, in, in many people's minds. Yeah, that's what it, what we found. Um, so in general, the the 
perceptions of vegans were on the positive end of the scale, but when you bring in these individual differences in terms of how people react to people who threaten social norms or threaten hierarchy, then you see a prediction um, from both types, from both pathways, which is, um, it's not just the paper that my that my supervisor and I published, but it's also been reflected in other papers by um, Cara McInnes and Gordon Hodson, so um, it does seem like there's some evidence that um, veganism is challenging these two kinds of can you give us an um, example of when you say there's different um, people coming from different directions? What do you mean by that? What are the what are the, what are, yeah What are the differences that are, they're coming from? The individual differences measures that yeah, we're talking yeah, yeah. about. Um, yeah. So what we measured was uh, right with right wing authoritarianism, <coughs> um, which is made of three components um, relating to how people um, react to people who threaten social norms um, in terms of. Uh, you know, being submissive to an authority and um, being um, conventional, those kinds of things. Yep. So s- some some people might say more of a conservative um, mm. ideology rather yep. than, yeah, non-conservative yeah. maybe. Yeah, and, um, and so the way that we suggested the link might occur there is that, um, well, our context was New Zealand where, where I was based at the time and um, we were suggesting that there could be a link where veganism is seen to threaten cultural like norms because um, New Zealand it sees itself as very much of a meat and dairy producing nation yep. and yep. Um, and then the other pathway is um, what we measured social dominance orientation um, and we can we hypothesize that the link there between higher social dominance and more negative attitudes to vegans could be because of the um, the symbolic projection of human animal dominance from yeah. veganism yep. but um, also potentially just the um, we could link it to like the the threat to economic, um, sorry, yeah, uh, no, that's right. production. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. So it's changing. It would change significantly our social structures and hierarchies if it was something that changed. Yeah, yeah. I think so. So that's what we were suggesting in the paper. But new, more research is needed to really pull out those links. I think so. Yeah, yeah. And Maddie, so what, where are you at with your current research? Are you have you done? Um, have you been able? To, it's a year in, so. <laughs> You've, you're really at the start of it. So have you done, been able to get into much of the research at this stage? Yeah, so I um, started reading the literature and contrary to my belief and probably most people who don't work within social psychology, um, veganism wasn't defined super clearly in the literature. Yeah. Um, it was kind of going um, between like just being diet-based and then also having that lifestyle component and then some studies weren't incorporating it. So I, my first study was actually a definition study. Okay, can you give us Um, your definition? Yeah, so uh, I can give you the people's definition. (laughs) Um, We, so we gave six existing um, definitions from vegan societies and the most popular one by far, and then we broke it down in, uh, we analysed it in dietary groups. So vegans by far was the UK definition, which is something like um, a way as far as possible and practical to reduce um, animal products, yep. like emphasizing that yep. just uh, do, so that's do from the best you can. Vegan uh, UK vegan society. Yeah, so and the original, the original, the yeah. original UK, yep. uh, the original definition in the forties, yep. um, and then vegetarians and omnivores, um, the same, just a little bit less. Um, uh, Strict? 
or not less strict but no, we went through more rounds of voting okay. to get so the UK definition won in the first round of this yep. um and then I think the other two were like went through three or four rounds of voting yeah okay so this was a so you, it was a poll you put out a number of definitions of veganism and you got how many people to to yeah so we them? ran it um, I don't know how many people are familiar with how the, the uh, like the federal elections run, but that's the analysis we did on it. Um, so it was a voting analysis. Mm. Um, there was in that one uh, six hundred and fifty people. Yeah, wow. And do you um, know the demographics of the types of people that were polling? So was it vegans that were making this decision? Or yeah, was a it lot any- of vegans. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah. Overall, there was like 300 and something vegans. There was about 200 omnivores and the rest were vegetarian. Um, Average age was like late 20s um, with a a variance of 10 10 years, so 18 to 30 there. Um, Our oldest participant was like 72 or 73. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, but quite a broad range of people and quite a big data set as well. Yeah, great. Yeah, because that, that, that is an issue that I've noticed, um, particularly in the um, the dietary research and psychological research, and especially when those two spaces come together, mm-hmm. that veganism seems to be um, conflated with diet a lot of the time. And, for well, maybe I'm just showing what my typology of vegan is. Um, for me, veganism is not about diet. That's a plant-based diet, and veganism mm-hmm. goes beyond that. Um, so it's interesting. Yeah. yeah, we had a lot of feedback. So that study was actually three studies. Um, so there was 1,500 participants all, t- all together. Yeah, great. Um, but we had um, just open-ended questions that people could answer as well. Um, and one of them was like, what do you consider the vegan diet? And we got a lot of feedback from vegans, particularly saying it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle. Yep. So that's something that we can also put pull from our findings and then put yep. into... And then I'd, I'd always, I'd, I'm, maybe I'm, I'm more um, aggressive, I suppose. Maybe I'm one of those aggressive vegans, but I'd, I'd say that it's it's not even a lifestyle, but more of an ethic, a lived yeah. ethic. And maybe that is um, is similar to a lifestyle or people equate those things the same way. But yeah, I think it's a, a lived ethic or a philosophy rather than a lifestyle or a diet, certainly not just a diet. Yeah, I think that's important too, though. It's different for everyone, mm. which is what we were finding. So I think that in the future... If we do, um, certainly I'll keep that in mind when I'm doing my next studies. Um, we need to kind of look at it from different ways because people have all different views yep. on what veganism is. Like so many different things happened in that, like people were saying in that. Yeah, and and I suppose when you really get into the into the um, the vegan movement, I'm not sure if you've both experienced this, but you actually start to see these distinctions mm. being played out in very strong and heated discussions. Yeah. So, like ethical veganism is maybe different to liberation animal liberationists and um, and just dietary vegans who aren't considered vegans very often or whatever. Yeah. Do you experience this, and do you see it in the literature? This is actually something that we're trying to study as well at the moment. So we've been um, running. Um, a set of studies where we're trying to um, see if there's different profiles of vegans. So mm-hmm. within veganism, are there different subgroups um, who are characterised by different kind of motivations, but also um, moral profiles? Mm. And um, we're seeing a little bit of evidence for that, but the difficulty is, is um, obtaining a really wide range of participants. So mm-hmm. we've been approaching people through the mainstream vegan mm-hmm. um, organisations, but of course, if there's a um, if there's subgroups, and they'll probably have their own pages and we'll need to go to those people yep. and, and collect a really broad range to get it at, at this so so how are you how are you um how do people 
is it an open survey at the moment? Are people able to go and um, contribute to this? Um, so the first one is um, finished now, but I'm about to run another one. So I'll be, um, again, approaching vegans throughout yep. Australia and I'm also planning to run one in the UK. So um, yep. stay tuned. Yeah, and if, yeah. if you need us to, to promote that survey, let us know and we, oh, we can you. certainly yeah. spread that, share that around um, the community that we are in contact with. And so I think we'll take a quick um, song break here and we're going to listen to Anti-Intellectual, uh, with a song, actually, no, we're not. We're going to start with um, X True Nature X uh, with Passion for Freedom.
Victoria's roadside drug testing program is not about road safety. In last year's governmental inquiry into drug law reform, it was noted that Victoria's RDT program is falling behind on latest evidence regarding impairment. Currently, Victoria Police can charge people for detection of either cannabis, amphetamines or MDMA. But those detections do not correlate with impairment. Impaired drivers should be removed from the roads and that's why we're urging an inquiry into Victoria's RDT scheme to ensure that the resources that are currently employed to make our roads safer are being properly used to make our roads safer. Help us refocus road safety onto what makes roads safe. Sign the e-petition parliament.vic.gov.au forward slash council forward slash petitions and look for the Inquiry into Drug Driving Reform, Petition 117. A 3CR supporter. This is David Rovix and you are tuned to 3CR, 8.55am, Melbourne, Australia. Step three is finding there's a tactic when everyone believes it could be true. That if all the people work collectively, there just might be something we can do and everything can change. And you're listening to Freedom of Species on 3CR, 855 AM Community Radio. And today we are joined by two psychological researchers, uh, Maddie North, who's completing her PhD into um, veganism, and also Madeline Judge, Dr. Madeline Judge, who has done vegan research and continues to do some vegan research. And we, during the break, we were actually having quite an interesting conversation um, about uh, what the definitions of veganism actually mean, and, and is it better to have a very distinct definition or have many broad types of definitions? And one thing that I've sort of noticed, um, I get to talk to quite a few different uh, researchers in this as a, as a presenter on freedom of species and just because I like speaking to other researchers in this space. Um, and one thing I've noticed in a couple of different fields, particularly sociology, uh, Nick Taylor out in Adelaide, who is a sociologist, um, does research into um, family violence, or violence against women, and has started to include animals in that research where they actually become subjects. Um, I also know of... Um, some people so in the compassionate conservation uh in the conservation field people are starting to consider animals as subjects rather than objects and um i'm wondering whether psychology you're starting to see this consideration of animals even even though they're sort of they're central to the research that you're doing but it's absolutely focused on humans mm. how how are we conceptualising animals within the research that we're doing in this psychological space? And are we considering the animal's perspective in any of this research when we do it? Um, do you have any thoughts on that? It's a pretty sort yeah. of out there com- uh, question, but I wonder if you have any reactions, maybe Maddie or... Me personally, I'm not because I know that I can't separate myself from the animals to be able to do research um, around them and I would be incredibly biased if I was to include them in my research. Um I'm not 100% sure if we are kind of considered... I, I hope we are, um, but I haven't come across anything that would suggest that kind of shift away from object. Mm. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if you have. Um, I guess what comes to mind for me is um, the amount of research I've seen 
recently that's been talking more about, um, I guess, speciesism and um, mind perception in relation to animals. Um, so there's some research that I think maybe Brock Bastian's done on motivated mind perception, so um, denying mind to animals because you are involved mm. in eating yeah. them. Yeah. Um, and so I think that research, those directions of research are um, kind of pulling to the forefront the idea that we might be motivated to see animals as objects because we are involved in um, their objectification. Yeah. <laughs> mm. yep. So I think in that, in terms of that, um, there's there is increasing acknowledgement in the um, social psych- psychological literature of um, animals as a as a focus of research and um, the ideas between, behind people's treatment of animals. Mm. Um, I think I think it's um, partly my my fault not being able to really conceptualize or, or ask this question coherently, but it's sort of like. If we were doing research into um, racism or sexism, mm. there's also research that looks at the other side, looks at the, the people who are, who are being affected by um, racism or, or sexism, mm. um, or they're considered within the, the models that we do, we use. But it's not as simple, obviously, because we don't speak the same language um, as yeah. animals, or we don't, <laughs> we don't, we can't communicate, and we can't get that information from animals. But it's yeah, it's just an interesting idea I think that's starting to emerge in various areas of research. How do we stop the objectification of animals in our research and, mm. and make bring them in to be subjects? Yeah, I think another thing I thought of was um, I attended a conference in Paris recently, and the, the keynote was Franz Deval. Ah, yes, um, he's fantastic. Yeah, yeah he's pretty interesting. And yeah. it was talking about the um, animal emotions and how um, he uses the concept of anthropo denial instead of anthropomorphism because everybody's so worried about anthropomorphizing but actually it's like um denying a similar experience in animals so i think people that are doing work like that um are also like drawing attention to the 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 animals and and their um subjectivities and um I don't know if there's been so much of a link between that and what we've been looking at, but I think in the future, there, I imagine there will be. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you for humouring me with that question. It was a <laughs> bit out, it was out, out left, left of field, but um, it was something I'm interested in asking. Uh, so, Madeline, I, I think actually I've I, um, reviewed your, one of your papers, your paper on um, vegan futures in a podcast I did a couple of years ago. Oh, really? Oh, um, cool. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've definitely read the paper before, um, and I was interested to see that it's actually yours. I'm um, someone's reading it. Yeah, can, you, can you tell us a little bit about what you found, if you remember? Uh, I think it's 2015 now, so it might be a bit um, yeah, out of the memory. Yeah, it's can... a little while ago, but um, I think I still remember the main things. So um, that research was um, extending some other research that people had done looking at how... Um, Envisioning a future where um, perhaps a particular collective goal had been achieved um, influences what people do in the present in terms of policy support and um, motivation motivations to engage in social change. So the research that I was drawing on had looked at things like um, changes to um, population groups or um, um, bringing in laws, maybe the legalisation of marijuana or something mm. like this, and then how um, what people think that future would look like is related to what they do now. And so I was um, taking a, a, that approach and looking at what people think um, a vegan or vegetarian or plant-based, I included three versions of the future, mm. um, what that kind of future society would look like. I measured um, people's visions on a bunch of dimensions in terms of social development or social dysfunction, 
also in terms of the people's characteristics. So will people be nicer or nastier? Mm. <laughs> um, will they be, be more moral, perhaps? And um, then looked at the relationship between those those ratings of the visions and their current support for policies to um, promote vegetarianism or veganism. And um, I think in general, the main finding was that the control condition did nothing, which is great. <laughs> um, so that was just imagine the future in general. Yep. Um, the plant-based condition didn't really do much either. Um, in the vegetarian condition, the um, a vision of a vegetarian future society that was less... Um, dysfunctional was related to more well, more support for a vegetarian policy, um, and for the vegan future, the strongest predictor of willingness to support a vegan policy was um, increased warmth in people, okay. which I thought was really useful because it um, suggests to me that this idea that people will be nicer, that vegans mm-hmm. might be nicer, that um, caring for animals and is going to in, in improve society might be useful for promoting. Um, veganism in the present or support for change towards veganism yeah um, yeah. yeah very very fascinating um research and i think i think there's been some recent stuff on climate change that sort of says that um while there's been some stuff on positive futures uh being useful for motivating change that we not necessarily seeing the change so people might like the idea of a vegan mm. future being good um but whether that actually motivates change um, we're not so sure. Yeah. yeah. So, Maddie, a couple of months ago, you both attended um, the 2019 conference for the Society of Australasian Social Psychologists. Is this the peak research group within sort of conference within Australasia for psychologists, social psychologists? Yeah, yep. that's the main conference. Yep. Yeah. Um, and as I said earlier in the show, that was really happy to see that the conference included a um, a vegan symposium session which uh maddie you actually organized which is fantastic in your first uh, first year of a phd <laughs> that's really good um so this i was i was really excited to see that because it suggests that there's enough interest in this space enough research in this space um that people are willing to pr- promote a, a session on it at a large conference um and did you get I want to ask your experience. What what was it like um, getting support for this symposium at the conference? And for those people listening who might not have been to a research um, conference before, it's a whole bunch of people giving presentations on their research. So to have a symposium is a collection of research that is on a similar theme, basically. Mm. So it's a collection of research on veganism in this case. So um, can you tell us what it was like to um, to create that? and what it means for vegan research or research around veganism within Australia or Australasia. Um, Yeah, so I have very wonderful supportive supervisors who kind of were like, you should. Um, We knew Julian, who Maddie works with, um, and also Anna, one of my supervisors, knew Maddie as well. Um, So we got in contact with them, um, and then we contacted a couple of other people. So there was Matt Ruby from La Trobe um, and Hannibal Tai from University of Queensland, um, and yeah, we got together, put our four presentations. Um, I've never been to assess, uh, this conference. Yep. Um, so it was my first, second time presenting at a conference. Um, but first time presenting with other people in like a symposium that the audience came because they wanted to hear about veganism. Um, and the response was really good. Some, yeah. I enjoyed it. It was good to see people. Um, there was good discussion at the end. Um, yeah, Maddie, you have been to SAS but not 
uh, had a symposium, so or like not a vegan. Yeah, I thought it was really successful. Yeah. Um, the the audience was full of people, and because um, what we have in those conferences is multiple sessions running mm. at the same time, so people have to choose to come to your mm. one. They don't just have to come. Um, so people were interested and um, engaged and asked questions, and yep. yeah, I thought it was really successful. And what sort of reactions were you getting from other researchers who might not have been in this space? Like, what were the, how were they thinking about veganism? And and after that session, did did you have any interesting conversations with people who might not be vegans or researching veganism and how they were thinking about that after your symposium? Um, there was someone who was a vegan but wasn't doing research in veganism but is now kind of interested in doing that, so I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's great. Um, we talked to her a little bit. Um, yeah, anything else? I can't remember so long ago. <laughs> um, so I had a couple of good conversations I think and um, and also um, there was some people in the audience who do research in environmentalism and yep. they were um, quite interested in, in veganism so I think that the environmental psychology people were becoming more interested in this as well yep. um, which I thought was really good and um, yeah there were just like people talking about what it means to be vegan and what whether they're um, how their own um, behavior relates to what they're doing and, and yeah there was there were some um, interesting conversations that came out of that yeah it's, it's uh, yeah it's really interesting because I have I have heard or have um, come across instances where um, people who are not vegan might actually um, they actually think the research on veganism particularly by vegans is problematic because mm-hmm. it might be quote biased or not um and i and and it's this interesting sort of um again it's it's a sort of judgment or a framing of vegans that we would somehow not do proper science (laughs) proper research Mm, methods because of others own stereotypes um and then not also recognizing that every person who does research comes to their research (laughs) with assumptions and certain frames around the world and normalized beliefs um and not uh, but they don't question those. They don't question people who do research on animals and ask them, well, is it okay to do that? Yeah. Um, have you ever experienced any of that in your in your research, people sort of questioning um, the research that you do because you are vegan or the research is about veganism? I haven't had people directly question me, I think, but I like, personally have felt um, sometimes that I should downplay that mm. I'm vegan or that yeah. my opinions or um you know keep everything very sort of surface level yeah. <laughs> um because you are afraid that you're going to be accused of that but I I feel like um I hope at least within um the social psychologist group in um, Australasia that I mean I mean there's people working on um uh, sexism who are feminists and there's people working on environmental topics who are environmentalists That's you know right. there's this yeah. um acknowledgement that people are doing things in areas that they care about and yep. um yeah i'd hope that they would recognize that that's fair. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And I suppose that's that's the point, isn't it? Like, we don't often well. The people who are doing research aren't necessarily doing it because they're not interested in it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can't remove your your um your interest. There's mm. even choosing a topic informs how you're going to relate to that topic and how you're going to work in that topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you wouldn't do a PhD in something if you didn't like it or didn't have any interest in it at all yeah, <laughs> <laughs> might, yeah might be awful <laughs> yeah um so 
we're sort of getting close to the end, but I want to um, ask a couple of um, questions about... So, what do, Maddie, in particular, you're in the start of your PhD, you've, you're doing this work on um, a vegan definition, which is, it sounds fantastic. I'm interested in seeing that when it's um, published. And are you, what, what's next? What are you doing? And what do you think are the really big questions that are going to be useful and helpful for, um, for the re- research into veganism? And why? Yeah. Um, I hoping to uh, eventually change some people's behaviour. Like, um, I'm kind of a mix between um, social psych and health psychology as well. Um, so, looking at that health behaviour model is the willingness and the intention to change behaviour based on um, prototypes and attitudes. Um, so, I'm hoping that we can. My next step is to elicit, the study will be to elicit some responses about prototypes from people. Um, mm. Then we can put them in the model. Um, and why I'm doing this is because it's mainly for an environmental reason because yep. I believe that um, cutting down or reducing or just cutting it out altogether um, it, meat and animal products is good for the environment um, and I would like to get that across to people who may not believe that that is a thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, great. Yeah, and I mean, it's certainly um, certainly something we've talked a lot about on this show and certainly something that does motivate. I think um, when you look at the motivations of people going vegan, um, I think animals is quite right up there, but environment is mm. often the next biggest motivator. Yeah. yeah. And what about yourself, Madeline? What's, what, are you doing any research in this space or are there burning questions that you think are really important to, to be addressed in this space? Um, so, yes, I am doing some research at the moment with my colleague Julian Fernandez. Um, one of those studies that I mentioned earlier on um, different profiles of vegans and also how people are reacting to vegans who present different arguments. So um, in one study we're presenting um, a vegan target person, which is just you know just the person who says I'm vegan for this reason. Um, and those reasons include a ver- variety of um, reasons that we've measured in, in actual studies with vegans. So we're bringing in what people say their motivation is and seeing how other how non-vegans really react to those motivations. Mm. Um, and I guess I'm interested in, in processes of moralizations. So this seems to be an area where that's happening. Um, but also I'm, I'm just generally curious about what's going to happen next with veganism because I think that um, at least in Melbourne it's become quite like popular. It's quite like a uh, fashionable, trendy thing to do mm. and um, which it makes life a lot easier if you're vegan. But I wondered what um, what's going to happen next in terms of the vegan movement, I guess. Um, so I'm keeping an ear out for interesting topics that are happening in activism as well because um, what I think is that activism does lots of cool stuff and then academia comes along later and says oh we've discovered something interesting (laughs) and then they take four years to publish a paper on it but um yeah so i'm just keeping my eyes open for interesting topics to research yeah great yeah and i I think i think there is a real um you, you mentioned this commonality or common interest between environmentalists and psychologists in this space mm. around discussing veganism and particularly this is this is my area of interest mm. and and research interest in particular yeah. is how we could how we can use veganism as a as a strategy for reducing environmental impact on a large on a mass scale mm. so the climate crisis the extinction crisis that we face 
we have all these sort of conservation management plans that we put in to place and they don't really they're not really doing much um could veganism and motivations towards veganism be a um a management strategy for environmental benefit and absolutely i reckon because um i think when you're dealing with people you've got to think about things that actually like engage people emotionally and, and they're easy to understand i think people can make those connections like they haven't so far made such a connection between meat consumption and environment that i think um increasing education will help that and then i think people feel committed to helping um in a way that they think will make an, a difference and it's an easy thing to understand um, yeah yeah and uh, just a quick question on uh, either of your research or do you have any experience reading into um potentially different different stereotypes of non-vegans and how they respond so you're going to be doing um research into how people respond to stereotypes of veganism veganism or motivations of veganism when we abstract that even more can we can we do that can we figure out the type of person someone is that's a non-vegan and which motivation and which um argument best works for specific types of non-vegans is that research there yet or are we still waiting for that to happen I have a little bit of data on that. Um, So my, another question in this study um, that I ran end of last year was what motivates, what is your diet um, and why are you this specific diet type? And we took data from vegans and vegetarians, but also omnivores, so people who eat meat. Mm. Um, So we have a little bit of evidence of data that says why people are still eating meat. Um, so, uh, from memory, uh, some of it's health-based, Mo- it's mainly convenience. Yeah. Um, and just norms. People grew up eating meat and that's just, they've stuck with it and it's too hard. Um, and some people just don't want to be labeled as vegan. Yep. Um. Stigma. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, do have that. I might, I will do something with that data. Yeah, cool. That's really cool. Yeah, sounds great. Um. I had one thought about that as well. I just, um, a lot of the social psych research really dichotomizes people. So it's like you're vegan or you're omnivore or you're, you know, and I feel like that's not necessarily the the best approach because there's a massive range of people who are omnivores who may be Mm. um, not committed to meat at all. They're just doing it because they always have. That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's something that I've been thinking about for years and years and years. How, what what sort of research could we do to identify those those different types of non- non-vegans or pre-vegans as I like to call them um, and and what are the motivators for those different groups and at what stage of, of behaviour change are they at and how does our targeting and our messaging change by their group and their stage of motivation yeah um, but something that we're, that's in the future hopefully <laughs> hopefully that's coming down the down the road um, and finally I, I really think that um, there's to, to achieve a world where animals are not being exploited um, en masse, uh, we need to change normalisation of animal use and abuse and all of that jazz. And I think research is going to be a big part of this. How do you think that we can build a stronger research community of people interested in vegan research, vegan research possibly vegan researchers, um, to have discussions like I'm an ecologist, environmentalist, you're psychologists, there's mm-hmm. people out there, you know, we're going to need um, economi- economists, we're going to need logistics, we're going to need agricultural scientists, we're going to need all these types of nutritionists. How do we bring together these people to have a conversation about how to fast track towards a vegan, a vegan world? Mm-hmm. And what are your thoughts on that idea? Um, 
to bring people together, I think Twitter is a great place um, within reason because <laughs> um, you can see what other people are doing and kind of talk to them and then that. Um, I think conferences are good. Yeah. Um, but that is also just kind of in your own area. So I'm yeah. not sure if I have any strategies on how to bring everyone together. Um, but that could be something to think about. I think it's a really good question. I was wondering about this even just in um, social psychology because I know I've met a lot of people who are doing related research mm-hmm. and I was wondering if there's some way to um, connect. And even out of this conference, we've put mm. together a little um, group of where we message each other. And um, so I think there's... There's like an institutional way of doing it. You could um, connect. I think maybe the Vegan Society in, in the UK has like a researcher um, collaboration type page. We have all these people who are yeah. doing yep. research in that area. Um, so you could do you could institutionalize it in some way like that, or you could um, just build these informal networks. I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah, great. Cool. Thank you very much uh, for coming on the show. We're going to finish off with some news. Um, so the from Vegan Australia. Uh, the website, uh, there was a recent post um, stating that Fiona Simpson, president of the National Farmers Federation, is inviting you, the listener, to visit an animal farm, which is super kind of them, isn't it? They want to, um, I think this is part of a a new strategy coming out of um, farming groups where they're trying to um, make it sound good again or try to show that farming isn't a horrendous, horrible place for animals. Um, so, you know, you can go and take a, take Fiona up on her offer. You can email Fiona on fsimpson at nff.org.au and um, I'll put the, the information up on our website in the show notes. Um, so, but if you do take them up on their offer... Ask if they can show you what the genuine and what the the majority of animals are going through. Not just the idyllic farm where all the cows are free-range and all the chickens are free-range and um, aren't in horrendous conditions. But ask whether you can see the removal of horns, beaks, genitals, flesh and tails from animals without anaesthetics. Ask if you can be taken into sheds with thousands and thousands of, of, quote, meat chickens or look at the grinding up of day-old male chicks, or long-distance transportation, electrocution and gassing of pigs and chickens, and many of the other standard practices within the industry that are not illegal, that are okay because they um, fall under these standard um, oper- operating procedures. So I'll put up the, uh, the notes on that, and you can um, pursue that if you will. And if you're going along, why not take some um, take some footage of it? <laughs> um, but that will have to be, you know, something that you do, obviously, with permission of, of the places that you go to. And um, so I just want to thank Madeline and Maddie for coming on. Thank you very much for joining us today. It was really interesting to see where um, psychology on veganism is at at the moment. And I'm really interested to see where it gets to and where it's heading. Um, and... It's actually uh, one of the questions I was going to ask you is how can people learn more about vegan psychology? Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think it, you, the, prob- the answer is it's probably not too easy at the moment. Mm-hmm. But I wonder, yeah, I, I, hopefully in the future there's some, some, something that, um, that is a little bit easier, makes it easier to find this research for people who don't have a background in, in um, psychology or research in themselves. Yeah. 
so thank you very much for listening. If you um, have any feedback for the show, please get in touch at info at freedomofspecies.org or via Facebook on, um, or Twitter at FOS Radio. And tune in next week. Um, uh, We'll have another great show from 1pm, that's 855 on your radio, or you can um, hear us uh, live via the 3CR website, or just download the podcast wherever you get good podcasts. And stay tuned for In Psychedelia, they'll have another great show this week. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast, produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.